Miserable and Reckless presented by the Cold Cans Network. I'm Logan sitting here with Ryan and Dustin bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. Be sure to go follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, go on and check out the website, miserable-reckless.com. And, um, you know, while you're at it, again, it's a podcast. So give us five stars, create review, and uh, share it with your friends because we're available pretty much anywhere where podcasts are available, um, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Amazon, what have you. We are there. All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dustin, lead us in. Got a traditional good, bad, and ugly this week. Good day is mine and Logan's grandfather's birthday. So, happy birthday, granddad. But uh, my good is not just merely that. It's we complain a lot to each other, and meaning on our text chain, and every now and then on this podcast about technology. But technology can be good sometimes. We, uh, I was able to call him today, wish him happy birthday via a video call with my daughter. So he was able to see her and talk to her and have a, you know, happy birthday that way. Um, and we do so many of these with Emmy, like not just birthday calls, but calls in general that I'm pretty sure she doesn't, she thinks that's the only way you make phone calls. They're all video calls. Yeah. Um, cause every now and then, like if, if she sees this on a phone and there's no video, you she's like staring at it being like, Wait, where's the picture? Like, I want to see, she's like, she'll pick it up and be like holding it up. Like where, where's the person? I needed to see them to talk to them. So anyway, that's what the generation of kids these days are going to be like yeah. uh, in the future. So, but good, one little good is technology. It allows us to connect with people, especially with our kid, given our distance and where we live. Uh, bad. Um, I saw this week that Penn State um, athletes were basically forming a union of sorts, yeah. and uh, them going to use that to have a seat at the table to negotiate with the at the, with the Big Ten within the conference. I'm not necessarily down in the union or them advocating for themselves or whatever. That's not really my point. The part that bothers me is we've talked many times on this podcast about how just every day it seems like there's some other piece that of oh, the professionalization of college sports. And this is just another piece of that. You know, we've mentioned here, like the unions are coming, like the, the collective bargaining agreements and all the pieces that come with her coming. We're getting there little by little. And it's just uh, the amateur model was not necessarily ideal or the fake amateur model was not necessarily ideal. But the NFL light or whatever you want to call it is not good either. So I, I actually have something I want to uh, need to send y'all guys. Uh, Mike Leach has some ideas on how to fix it. Maybe we can cover that one week. And uh, I actually think they're pretty good. But we'll save that for another day. My ugly, and this is downright terrible, Miss um, Nick Saban. Mr. Football down in Alabama. Um, I didn't know didn't know what the hell a Zaxby's was. Like, there apparently, my understanding, there are at least three in Tuscaloosa. Now I know he makes a lot of money. He probably doesn't need a lot of fast food, other than his oatmeal cream pies. But he he'd never stepped foot in or been curious about what's this place on the side of the highway as he drives by. So it was 
it was probably, I guess it was like three years ago, four years ago. Jeremy Pruitt, who the former Tennessee coach, was their defensive coordinator. He's the one who introduced Saban to it and basically had to explain it to him. And he was like, what the, you know, F is uh, uh, a Zaxby's. <laughs> and like, he basically told him, I, I don't have it in front of me, but at the, uh, he said something along the lines of like, it's a classier Chick-fil-A, which I don't know if I would say it's a classier Chick-fil-A. Uh, that's an awful description, but that's why he sucked that was as a how head coach. He, yeah. So anyway, didn't know his axis was, look, is it the greatest place in the world? No, but I enjoyed their chicken. It's not bad. So come on. Nick Saban. This, yeah. It gets the job done. That's a good way of putting it. It's pretty ugly that you didn't know what it was. Could so. be worse. You could go to Burger <laughs> True. <laughs> and they're no, just... winner of our team sponsorship. Yeah. I can give yeah, you a he... little insight into Saban if you want. They asked him a couple of weeks ago at a press conference. I think the guy's eating at home all, all the time. They asked him what he did around the house, um, you know, besides just coaching football. What does he do to help out Miss Terry? Uh, who's his wife. And apparently he told the reporters, you can Google this, that he pledged the fridge. Um, first of all, I didn't know you could pledge a fridge. Now, apparently if it's stainless steel, I thought pledge is like, on like a wood floor or something. Like, like, is he, is he putting them through like hazing? No. <laughs> well, right? but he's doing but, it. But, uh, does he like go, does he go like, like yell at the refrigerator? Like it is. <laughs> Why would you need to clean your refrigerator every day unless you're OCD? I just, I'm, I, I mean, unless it's getting a lot of use, it sounds like it's getting a lot of use if he doesn't know what his axe Well, <laughs> quite honestly, I think the man is OCD, so. <laughs> yeah. That would make sense <laughs> why he would clean, clean one, he probably cleans exactly one little spot on the fridge every day. Gotta get this out, gotta get this out, gotta get this out. <laughs> they were joking that he has a process for how he cleans the house, just like he has a process on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're going now you're going into Danny Tanner territory. He has a process for his process of processing the cleaning. You know, I, the, what's funny to, about that story is anyone that actually believes that Mr. Nine million dollars a year is actually cleaning his own house. <laughs> I think that's just what he tells the media. <laughs> if he uh, wants. He's more I think he leans more toward, towards old school. He probably would rather do things himself to pay anybody to do it for him. <laughs> I mean, if if his schedule, if, if likely someone helps out, right? Uh, but given his schedule of running a major college football program, I don't blame him for not going anywhere else. <laughs> I can't imagine what his day to day is. It's got to be just outrageous how busy he is. But, I love how we've already got our episode title here. Does Nick Saban clean his own house? Question mark. <laughs> Tune in to find out. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> yeah. If you watch the, the, I've talked about it in the past briefly. If you watch the, I don't know if, I guess it's a documentary that he did with Bill Belichick. The two of them are in his basement and it literally looks like something that one of us would own if we like, like it's, it's a cross between like Alabama shrine, like man cave and like eighties pizza hut. Cause it's got like <laughs> curtains on the windows. Him and Belichick are drinking what I assume is probably decent, like liquor out of like Alabama, like stadium cups, like plastic cups. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know the man has decent china, but you know also Belichick's like this will do. <laughs> <laughs> like when he was doing his draft from his 1985 dining room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of old school and doing it himself, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's just he's just grumbling and grumpy as he's checking off his list for chores for the day. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, Miss <laughs> Terry, where's my oatmeal honey, cream pies? <laughs> honey, honey, these toilets aren't going to clean themselves. <laughs> That's not how we run a ship around here. <laughs> All right, well, as you listeners know, Morgan just joined us. So, Morgan, good, the bad, and the ugly for this week. All right, I got a good, great, and ugly. Um, my good, this past weekend, we took the kids to grandma's. A little getaway and uh, bought this $40 pool, pool, blow up pool from uh, Costco. It's like $44. It's like 10 feet by something. Um, and awesome. I mean, it was worth every penny. The kids played both Saturday and Sunday and just wore themselves out. Freddie went down for his nap and his bedtime Saturday fast, quick and in a hurry, which was awesome. Uh, great keeping it with my little man. He is officially uh, wearing underwear every day except for bedtime. Nice. He is rocking underwear and letting us know when he needs to go. Occasionally, he's got the number, you know, number two that he just doesn't know how to quite tell anybody about. But you can see <laughs> the face coming, and you can know. All right, let's roll. Let's rock and roll to the bathroom, buddy. But other than that, he lets you know when he's got to go potty. So we are. Uh, one one down with no more diapers. So <laughs> it's awesome. And then my ugly, keeping it once again with the kid. Uh, tonight I'm late because my daughter Bridget still having horrible ear infections and the medication that they gave her for it uh, made her sick. And she uh, crying, woke got my wife got up to go check her out. And since she picked her out of the crib, she... Uh, yeah, it's pretty much a sequence of the exorcism, vomiting. Uh, no head spinning or anything, but uh, it, it covered the floor pretty much in her bed. So I had to go and clean that up. Jeez. And, uh, yeah. So, she apparently has my ears because I had horrible ear infections for a couple of years when I was a kid. So that's Thank my you. good, great, and fucking ugly. <laughs> All right, Ryan, good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to work backwards. That way we end on a positive note. I'm going to go ugly first. I'm going to go ugly first. Uh, my wife celebrated her birthday this week. Her birthday was on a Tuesday. Um, mine was on a Monday this year. Apparently next year, I did the research. Next year, my birthday is on a Tuesday. So I have, once again, nothing to look forward to. And uh, uh, May 23rd, which is my birthday, when I happen to turn 40, if I make it, that that long um so that's nice and morbid that's on a thursday so at least at least i have that to look forward to so if we still have this podcast i'll turn 40 on the podcast so tune in just just so you know you really don't do research on that every year your day moves up one one day except for a leap year so there's a leap year i guess between next year other than that other than that if it's on a tuesday this year it'll be on a wednesday next year and a thursday and then friday and so on so that'll help you with your your research. <laughs> so, 
Thanks, smartass. <laughs> so if it was on a Monday last year, that means my birthday was probably on a Saturday during COVID. That's about right for my life. Um, <laughs> and anyway, back, back, back to your ugly. I'm sorry. Nope, that's my ugly. My ugly is I'm, I think people should. I, I'm, I used to hate people in college. They'd be like, it's my birthday week. Now I get yeah. it. Now I get it. Because basically my wife worked for like 12 hours in a row. And then she was like, all right, I'm ready to go out to dinner now. And I was like, hey, how, who, who are you? Like, how, how's it going? All right. Let, not not really. But like the idea there being like, it just stinks that you got to like, if you want to do something on your birthday. And everyone in my family and her family was super nice. And like, and we had a really good time. It just stinks that you got to like sit there and like <clears throat> go through meetings all day. I, I On my 30th birthday, it's not the end of the world. But I remember I was one of the worst days I've ever had at my job. Cause I was up in Connecticut and I literally sat through like 10 hours of meetings. And then we went, like, I was supposed to like drive home from Connecticut and they expected like all of like my notes to be done. <laughs> I was like, well guys, when I get home, um, I'm not going to start working on the notes. I'm just curious. And everybody was like, Oh, okay. Well, um, that's what you're paid to do. So you're not paid to have your birthday. And I was like, okay, fair enough. But y'all suck. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, so my ugly is, uh, I don't know. It seems like a very miserable and reckless thing to have your birthday on Monday or Tuesday. It sucks. So, <laughs> um, my bad. Uh, so I'm working backwards. My bad is, uh, I'll touch briefly on this. Um, I found out this week that Liz, Lenny Rosenbluth passed away. Um, I don't know if that rings a bell for any of the listeners. But for anyone that knows anything about basketball or especially tobacco road basketball, um, he passed away at the age of 89. Uh, he led the undefeated Tar Heels to a uh, national championship in 1957. Um, so we're talking a long time ago. My dad was three. <laughs> but uh, he did beat Will Chamberlain in Kansas. So it's funny that the Tar Heels were playing Kansas even back then. So I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's um, funny, though. It's odd that you bring him up the other night. I was bored and I was up late watching TV. And on the ACC network, they had the history of the uh, ACC championship. Yeah, and at one series, it went up. I think it was Vibe season or episode one. It was the early years, and they talked about him at, at Carolina. He's he's uh he's one of the eight jerseys that they have retired in the rafters, and he's pretty much like the OG of UNC basketball back for Coach Frank McGuire. Um, they uh, Carolina used to import a lot of their players. They still do this, but they used to import a lot of their players back in the fifties from up in New York and he was um he was one of the first ones to kind of come down and do that. So um that kind of stinks, but he also had a long life and he was well respected with the program. So I figured I'd mention it. And then uh kind of working my way from badish good. Um I'm surprised that you guys maybe you guys don't know about this guy, but tomorrow um is Thursday. We usually record on Thursdays. The Orioles are doing something kind of cool. Um, I'm not an Orioles fan, but I, I grew up in Maryland and I'm aware of what's going on with the team. Um, they have Mo Gabba Day. Do you guys know about this? Do you guys know anything about this or who this person is? Okay. I got their I got their email, but didn't I get so many email marketing emails from them I don't read them. <laughs> That's fair. I know there's some Orioles fans on here, or some parents that are Orioles fans. So long story short, um, he's a Baltimore guy. Uh, nine months into his life, he, uh, literally he was nine months old. He went blind due to cancer. Um, he fought cancer four times in his 14 year old life. And he spent 75% of his life in hospitals. Um, that said, 
uh, to kill time, especially because he was blind. He had trouble sleeping. Um, so he'd call into radio shows and stuff like that. He was a massive Orioles and Ravens fan. And uh, he began calling into radio shows. And he has, like, this, like, super infectious, like, like he's a child. I mean, so he has, like, this crazy infectious laugh. And uh, he just got well known for his takes on like the Orioles and Ravens and just being super into them and stuff like that. He's done a ceremonial coin toss for the Ravens. He did first pitch. Um, he read a draft pick for the Ravens in 2019 in Braille. Uh, for, it was the first time anybody's ever read a draft pick in Braille. And that card, the draft pick card is in the Hall of Fame. Um, he was elected into the O's Hall of Fame hours before his death in 2020, um, which he died because he, he had cancer. It just he fought it four times in 14 years. He's 14 years old when he passed. But um, he died two years ago tomorrow. So tomorrow they're going to honor him. And every day going forward, if I understand correctly, they're going to honor him every year. So I thought that that was pretty cool by the Orioles. Also, a fun fact that I didn't know, um, if you ever watch a Ravens game, uh, the M and the O in the Baltimore in the end zone are either gold or white, depending on the coloring of the end zone, because his first name is Mo. And so every, every game since he's passed away, they changed the end zone for the Ravens. For M I know I'm in Maryland, but I, I tend to see a lot of Ravens games. I, ne I never had any idea that that's why they did that. I just, I just so if you, if you ever catch a Ravens game and you ever want to, like, it's kind of sad trivia, but if you ever want to tell anybody why the end zone's changed that way or have a fun story, I mean, you could tell them about that. Uh, it, I... I wouldn't tell you to Google his laugh because that's kind of weird, but it, infectious laugh, fun guy. And I think good on the Orioles. Um, I, I crap on them a lot on this podcast and I crap on Maryland a lot on this podcast, but uh, good for him for, for doing that. And, and, and the Orioles and Ravens for kind of doing that cool stuff. So. Yeah. It's a pretty cool move by both teams. Yeah. All right. So that brings it to me. Um, I'm got a good, a kind of funny, and then I'm just going to plug some, plug some shit. Uh, first, let's get the plugging stuff out of the way. Um, like I said, the last couple of weeks, we've got a college football pod uh, specifically coming to the Colcans Network, me and Jordan. Jordan's been a guest on this show right around the time we had the Duke versus UNC preview in the Final Four. He and I are planning on recording the first episode and releasing it uh, at the beginning of August. So we've got like roughly a week before that um, comes out. So stay tuned for that. And then also we've got uh, brand new T-shirts on the way in the uh, Colcan shop. You can find that miserable-reckless.com and click on shop, or you can go to colcansnetwork.com, click on shop. But we've got a handful up now, and we'll have more on the way. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. All right, moving into the good that's a little makes me a little bit nervous. Um, you know, I mentioned college football. The media uh, votes and everything came in. Uh, State was picked to finish second in the division. I think second or third is a reasonable um, spot for them with a outside shot at being able to overtake. Uh, the number one spot in the Atlantic this year. But then also, Devin Leary was picked as ACC preseason player of the year. I think that it's, it's deserving, um, but I'm just hoping that, you know, he actually follows through with it and has a, a, a year like he did last year. We don't have to go into the details because if you've been listening to the podcast through the first 89 or first 88 episodes coming into episode 89 here, you know how much of a snake bitten program the Wolfpack can be. So good for Devin Leary. But let's not let this sink the season for the guy. And then the uh, kind of funny. It's not funny in that my dog was scared, but it's kind of funny how she reacted. So I 
am that dog owner. I'm going to admit on the internet here who has a pet cam that I can log on to my phone wherever I am and keep an eye on my dog while she's in the kennel. I mean, she's two weeks away from being nine years old, and I like to be able to keep an eye on my dog. I've had her for a long, long time. But she hates storms. She hates rain. And God knows we've had a lot of rain here the past week. And when I first got that cam, when she would be freaking out, I could cut the microphone on it, say something to her, and she'd calm down because she thought I was there. Especially if she was, like, shaking the cage. Well, fast forward to now. I don't ever claim that my dog is smart. She's very (laughs) sweet and obedient, but I've never said that she was smart. But I guess she's a little smarter than I give her credit for sometimes because during the rainstorms this week, I knew it was raining, so I logged onto the camera to see what she was doing. She was taking her paws and pushing against the latch, uh, specifically on the spot where she watches me latch it every day and had the bottom one knocked out of place, had the spring pushed out. And then she'd take her mouth and she'd uh, pull on the cage back and forth, trying to break out because she didn't want to be in there while it was raining. Well, I tried the old method of getting her to calm down by cutting on the, uh, the good old handy microphone and you know telling her to calm down. Well, this is where I guess she's smarter than I gave her credit for. She, she now has stopped listening to me because she stops and she stares at the camera and then she just continues doing what she's doing. She's like, screw you. I know you're not here. I'm just going to do what I want to anyways. <laughs> so... I got to give Bella a little credit. She's smarter than I gave her credit for it, but it was, I found that kind of kind of funny <laughs> at the end of the day. But that's my plugs. Good, but kind of nervous. Kind of funny. I can see you at your desk just with your coworkers around you, and you're just like, Bella, Bella, quit it. Quit oh, it. yeah. They're looking over you like, oh, man, is he on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> the people, the people uh, that sit in front of us in, at football games, they – by the week three would know when they would hear a little dog yapping on the phone. And I was like, Bella, shut up, shut the fuck up. They would just start laughing because uh, she was just tired of being in the cage. And I, because I'd been gone for a long time due to the football game. And they were just, they just found that hilarious. But anyways, that's the good, the bad and the ugly. It's that time of the month again, song of the month where I pick one, Ryan picks one. Then we have a collab pick. Uh, this month, we're going to have a small clip from each song to kind of give you some context of what it sounds like and everything. So, Ryan, if you want to uh, name your first song, we'll play the clip, and then you can give your thoughts on it. Sure. The name of the song is I Have the Touch. It's by Bill Kaminsky as part of the Lloyd Dobler effect. Like an All right. So the reason why I was going to bring this up, I told Logan I was going to do this a little bit ago. Um, We've had this going, what, for about a year now. Uh, Phil's been nice enough to come on our podcast multiple times. And uh, he's a buddy of mine. I actually missed the chance to go see him last weekend on Sunday. We just, I just didn't have the opportunity to go see. And when he plays around here, um, and he's going to kill me if he listens to this because I picked the song from his old band. He's no longer with that band. but the name of the of the band itself is is Lloyd Dobler Effect. The name of the album that that's off of is Candles. It's a it's a older album. But the reason why I picked that song is twofold. 
Um, there's a Southern story connected to it. And I really like the lyrics. And I figured after a year doing this, I was more than remiss and not giving my buddy a, a free shout out. And that happens to be my uh, it's, uh, favorite particular song. So even though he's not with that band, he's got a new band now. Um, that's Phil Kaminsky. And you can listen to his, I think it's episode 17 or 18 that he did with us. Um, Sonny Ledford did the episode right before. I remember that. And uh, he, did, he did New Year's Eve with us. Uh, Phil did. And then his new band is The Breakaways. So I'll get the two plugs in there. But, um, and you can see him solo and he's all over Maryland and Virginia and sometimes even North Carolina. But um, the reason why I picked this song is very simple. I'll get the Southern story out of the way first. Um, I went on a Southern road trip multiple times with the band. Um, and it was a blast. Uh, when I was living down in Wilmington, keep it short and sweet and keep the innocent, uh, innocent. But, um, <laughs> we went to a few wild wing cafes. Uh, for those that don't know, wild wing cafe is just a, a, a chain. It's like a Buffalo wild wings, but they have live music. And so if you can name a Southern city, there's a, probably a wild, or at least there was back in the day, a wild wing cafe. So we're talking like Hilton head, Columbia. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's one in Wilmington. I'm trying to think of the other places, Savannah that we went to. There's um, one in Raleigh too. I think there's one in, okay. There's one in Atlanta. Um, we're uh, in, in Buckhead, although I think we played it. Long story short is they weren't just playing at Wild Wings. We played some sort of beer pong world championships um, in Atlanta up at Buckhead. I mean, it was, it was a blast. It was a great tour. Um, I can talk about it at some point later. If we ever get foe back on, we can talk about it. We ended up in Miami. One of the guys shaved his head. Um, we ended up at the Clevelander. I mean, it was, it was a great time, but as part of the process, um, there are times when, uh, we also went to Panama city. I know I've mentioned that in the past. Um, there's a band house in Panama city and it was really cool because I got to see the guys recording some of their music or working on the recordings that they already had in progress. And I got to see them kind of like put together some of the lyrics and things of that nature or, or adjust the lyrics. And it, in a uh, almost famous or you know hold me closer tiny dancer kind of situation it's cool to be in the van and to be able to talk music and talk shop and that's all stuff that i i love doing and just being on the road especially driving through the south is awesome but also to be able to see these guys work and stuff like that um i hope i'm not being too forward because it's been a minute since they put these lyrics together and if you if you do want to get the album you can buy it on their uh website you'll see a certain someone's name in the liner notes with a bunch of other people in there but um, uh, the reason why I like the lyrics is because I think not only is it a Southern song, but it's a good song for uh, what I was going through and what I potentially and having talked to some people recently and what I think that they may be going through. Um, I have the touches. Basically, uh, the song opens and you'll hear it on our playlist. The song opens up with a we'll call it a couple, but two people. Um, they're talking to each other and they're lost and overwhelmed and out at sea. Um, and they're kind of thinking like, it should be over by now, right? Like we should be back close enough. And, uh, the waves are crashing and, and, uh, Donnie is the drummer, um, in the band. He keeps a mean beat throughout, but if you're kind of listening to it, it does actually kind of sound like waves crashing. If you're willing to be imaginative to a certain extent. Um, and one of the lyrics that I like is it's, it's, uh, the waves crashing. They could either be an avalanche or a mystery. I think that's kind of interesting. I'm taking, I hope Phil's not if he listens to this, he doesn't kill me, but I think what, um, well, why that's interesting is there's two different viewpoints on the same thing on conflict. You can either look at it as being overwhelmed, or you can look at it as a mystery and a curiosity of how you're going to go forward and how, what you're going to do. 
Um, the chorus that you heard there is, uh, I have the touch, I'm the only one you need. Key lines here are, I've been through these waters. I've seen what we'll see. Um, and I think that later on you'll hear it's all on you, it's all on me. There's a confidence from doing it previously. And sometimes in life, we need someone to come alongside of us, especially if we're feeling overwhelmed. And it's hard to trust them and to, you know, tell them, you know, like, or to listen to them when they tell you, like, you know, the stove's hot, don't touch it. We, we all want to go touch the stove anyways. But sometimes it's important to listen to somebody that says like, hey, like I'm a little bit older, I'm a little bit wiser. Like I literally, I know what you're going through and I don't want to like mansplain it or, or, or explain it to you. But at the same time, like I, I've been where you are. And if you can trust me, like we can navigate through this together. Like even with your experience, and my experience, I, uh, I think that um, it's an interesting song. If you just listen to the lyrics, there's a confidence that comes from doing it previously. But then when you listen, you get further into the song. Um, there's a warning too, because they start talking at the end, right before the guitars kick back in. Like you think you know it all, you think you know it all. It's it's almost a warning. Like you think you know it all until you're caught up in the undertow. The idea being there, like you may have been through these waters before, but there may not have been that rip current. There may not have been that undertow. So the lyrics are awesome in this, and I think it's 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 a really fascinating song. That's why it's my favorite song. But at the same time. If you think this isn't a freaking like awesome rock song, like you're out of your mind. Like these guys worked so hard to produce this and everything. And Phil's got his own self-titled stuff that he was talking to us about back when he was on that he put out during COVID. The guy literally sat in a garage and put it all together like by himself and played all the instruments and did all the different stuff and produced the whole thing. Guy's a wonderkind. He um, probably wouldn't appreciate me saying that, but he's, he coaches swimming and and <laughs> and yet he's able to like, put together all this like awesome stuff. So if you listen to the production value of this, it's, it's incredible. So it's been long enough, but uh, I figured I'd give the guy a shout out and I'd pick my favorite song. And hopefully by putting it on the playlist, it opens the opportunity for other people to listen to it. So there you go, Phil. He didn't ask me to do that, but. <laughs> right, so that brings me to mine. Um, I'm, today I'm going to highlight an artist that, is uh there he's one of the artists that's coming up in the independent music scene that's around my age um he's a talented songwriter in his own right and he's starting to put out some of his own solo stuff but he is the um good friends with zach bryan and is the keyboardist in his uh touring band and zach bryan's absolutely blown up which he alludes to in one line in this particular song but his name is jr carroll um i've actually been able to meet the guy uh once and had it like a five minute convo with him um, but it, he is a pretty talented songwriter and this is one of his more recent songs that's going to be on his upcoming record uh, in 2022. I believe the album's going to be called Raging in the Dark, but it's uh, called Other Than That. Me, I'm doing fine, I swear I don't think of you at all. It's coming to an end, I feel. So that's other than that by J.R. Carroll. Uh, this particular song, we we actually talked about it on um, this past week's episode of Country and Cold Cans. He, the song opens up where he's like talking about it's good to be back in Rogers County, which I'm assuming is like where he's from, and he's like, I sure 
love this place and everyone around me. And then he gets to talking about how his like his brother's got himself a family, mom and dad are doing well. He says Zach's hit, finally hit the big time, and then it kind of like gets into his own, um, his own like his own perspective on his own life. And he's like at the very beginning of the chorus where he says, "Me, I'm doing fine. I swear, I don't think of you at all." It's almost like at the beginning of the chorus, he's lying to himself and he's lying to other people. And then it kind of comes together towards the end of it where uh, he says, I'm wasting every breath I get on songs that just won't change your mind. But other than that, I'm doing fine. And then you're, you're kind of like sitting there like, what is he talking about? Who is he talking about? And then in the next two verses, that's where it kind of the story comes full circle. It, the next verse, he opens up with him talking about uh, him dreaming about this girl, and uh, he can hear every time he closes his eyes saying that he'd wish that uh, I'd quit talking and begging me to kiss you one more time. And But it turns out just a dream, because in verse 4, this is, I think, where it all ties together and was the most powerful verse. He goes, you ain't come around here since that evening. I told you I couldn't be your friend because I can't quit feeling what I'm feeling and you can't seem to let me in. And then it gets back into the chorus. So this song is essentially about, you know, he had someone close to him, uh, a girl, and it was like unrequited love. Per- sounds like they were friends. And he put himself out there, got shot down. I mean, tell his oldest time for a, a lot of men. And then he's, I think the line that br- really brings it together in the, in the chorus is, I'm wasting every breath I get on songs that just won't change your mind. But other than that, I'm doing fine. Um, I, I love how songs like this, when they write them and they, they bring in all the things that are kind of going wrong. And then they end they, the last refrain in, in the chorus is says something kind of like that. I was like, other than that, I'm doing fine. Uh, I just, I love that kind of, uh, that kind of like almost lightheartedness after something serious that he wrote in that chorus. And, um, like I said, I'm kind of more, I'm excited to see what JR has coming with this new album. Cause he's put out some like small EPs in the past, but I don't think he's done a full full length uh lp yet so this song i definitely recommend he's got, as you can tell he's got that kind of like independent singer songwriter with some country leaning sound uh pretty stripped back production wise um but definitely recommend him um um jr carroll other than that all right so next up we have our collab pick and this one uh compared to the one that i picked and one that ryan picked we went a little bit more mainstream with our collab pick uh, and you can't get more mainstream than the uh, most popular artist in popular country music right now, Luke Combs. And but it's a duet with Miranda Lambert on his brand new record that came out about two or three weeks ago. Uh, anybody that's listened to us talk about music at all in the last year knows that we are fans of Miranda Lambert. So here is a clip from "Outrunning Your Memory" by Luke Combs featuring Miranda Lambert. It's Running Your Memory by Luke Combs and Miranda Lambert. Ryan, you want to give your thoughts? I, I really like it. I, 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 
it was pretty simple. Um, we were trying to come up with a collab deck, and you sent this one over. We were going to go back and forth. And the more I, I listened to it about two or three times, I thought to myself, well, man, I don't put something so mainstream. But then I thought to myself, like, this is the whole point of this, ep- of this exercise, right? This is a great collab pick between the two of us. I love Miranda Lambert, almost anything she's in or touches. I just, I don't know why. Maybe it's the, the sound of her voice or whatever. And so I started to like dive deep into the lyrics. And I thought to myself, you know what? As much as I just went into like fills and oftentimes I'll, I'll talk about other lyrics that are really deep. Um, I, I, I just like the, the sonics of this, the, the audio of this, of this song. And I, I texted you back about what, an hour later. And I was like, mm-hmm. let's just go with this one. Like, because I really like the way it sounds. Um, I, I will, again, uh, I, I like the first verse. So that helped. That kind of got me to, to plug in. Um, you'd love this. The idea of being talking to someone that isn't there, right? You'd love this bar I stumbled on. They play George Strait and they pour their double strong. All right, well, that sounds like a great bar, especially the doubles part. <laughs> <laughs> I've been gone for two weeks now. There's something missing. There's some missing you in every little town. Um, my first thought was, all right, so they're on the road. Got it. And then there's a shift. Um, as you get further along and you realize, oh, maybe, okay, not running your memory. I'm probably going to put two, two together there, Ryan. Maybe that person isn't, isn't just missing their, yeah. So, but what I will say is I, I, I wasn't, a, for the record, if you're not a fan of Luke Combs, I can understand to a certain extent. I wasn't a huge fan either. Um, I would recommend if you are interested that you watch the outsider interview that he did, or you listen to the outsider podcast interview that he did. That changed my opinion on Luke Combs a little bit. Um, it's always interesting to learn where somebody came from or why they are the way that they are. And for me, that's, that's what changed my opinion on it. Um, also the fact that he has a killer SEC uh, lead in with that <laughs> gone south on you, fires you up on a Saturday morning at whatever it is, 9 a.m. So but if you wanted to, if, if if you wanted to see it and maybe potentially change your opinion on, um, it, the name of the interview was the Outsider Interview, and uh, I'll leave you the details of who interviewed them and what they talk about. Yeah, kind of to piggyback off what you're saying, like I like Luke Combs, but I don't love Luke Combs. If that makes sense, Luke Combs typically makes very safe down the middle good country music, especially to be the most popular guy in the mainstream. I mean, it sounds pretty damn country compared to what we have been accustomed to in the past five to 10 years, but he, it almost seems like he stops just shy of, uh, in songwriting of, of just kind of like getting to that next level. It's safe. It's always, but there, but at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with safe music for the, for the regular working man that they can throw on and, you know, talk about how beer never broke their heart. There's some value in that. And if Luke Combs is the best, is the biggest thing in country music, you know, that ain't quite so bad. There was a time Florida Georgia line was. So, I'm with you on like the kind of like my opinion on Luke Holmes. I like his music. And, you know, when my friends play it and even some of my non-country friends at work play it, like it's enjoyable to listen to. This song also struck me because of the sonics of it. This is produced absolutely perfectly. Like you've got enough pedal steel in there. It's just enough, uh, just slick enough to be able to get the pop country fans to be able to 
uh, really get into it. But it, 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 at its heart, this is a country song. And I just loved the production on this song. On top of that, Luke's booming vocals m- meshed very, very well with Miranda Lambert's vocals. And I love Miranda's voice. I think that she added enough emotional depth toward, on their last refrain of uh, alternating, saying outrunning your memory at the end, the way she closed it out. It, it's like I, I liken it to when Zach Brown and Cody Johnson just did a song together. Cody Johnson really carried in uh, that song and added some emotional depth to it. And I feel like that in a lot of ways, Miranda Lambert did the same thing here. Um, the, the one part of the song that I do want to highlight that I, like this is the part of the song that I thought was pretty smart uh, from a songwriting perspective especially coming from a um, mainstream artist the size of Luke Combs. I love the line that uh, they leading into the first chorus, ain't sure what I thought I'd find riding these yellow lines. And then he says, outrunning your memory is like outrunning the wind. I can't get where I'm going if I can't leave uh, where you've been. Instead of it being like, leave where I've been, trying to get away from the town you're in, it doesn't matter where he goes. (laughs) It doesn't matter where he goes. Like it's always uh, if he can't let go of that relationship, can't let go of those feelings he had is it the physical scenery around him doesn't matter. And that's kind of what this song is getting at. And I, I think that those lines in particular were, the, in my opinion, the best of the um, getting the point across of the song and actually adding a little bit to it. And, you know, to your point, the imagery in that first verse is fantastic. Um, you, you can kind of feel yourself in that bar uh, when you listen to it. So, you know. This is, uh, I'd say this is probably one of the stronger tracks off that record. So um, definitely check out Outrunning Your Memory by Luke Holmes featuring Miranda Lambert. And that is your songs of the month. Add it to the playlist. Make sure, because, uh, I mean, like, like we said at the camping trip, we put on that playlist, and I was like, you know, this is a damn good playlist. It's just banger after banger after banger. And then Ryan was like, well, yeah, we created it. Shocking <laughs> that you would have that opinion. Right. All right. So, you know, it was talking. We said it was talking season last week, but for a lot of people, summer is travel season, vacations, what have you. Some people drive, but some people also fly. So I'm throw it over to Ryan for the next topic. Sure. Um, so summer shifts to a close. We've got college football on the horizon. Um, some of you may be traveling from Rutgers to UCLA pretty soon. Uh, watching your favorite teams compete. 9 a.m. kickoffs. Let's go. <laughs> I would suggest you take a plane um, as opposed to driving. <laughs> uh, maybe you're living in this great country and you're flying to a destination wedding um, in another country, in which I hope you are bringing no gift because your present should be present or your present should be present enough. Um, but, uh, Nah, we're fond of providing advice. So any extremely experienced travelers, um, you know, being the experienced travelers that we are, uh, even if, you know, a high percentage of that was potentially the Myrtle Beach and Wilmington at this point. Um, we do have some questions of etiquette to discuss uh, to give everyone in the right mindset for these travel opportunities. Um, they're not vacations, if you have kids, I've been told, but travel opportunities, trips, whatever you want to call them, um, we just want to make sure everyone in America has their etiquette right. Because if there's one thing miserable and reckless is known for, um, it's it's being you know courteous and getting our etiquette correct. And if there's really nothing more southern than um, a bunch of unspoken rules and customs, right? <laughs> so, all right, let's just dive into this. Um, the reason I, I had this idea initially is because I was watching people go back and forth um, 
about this on a TV show. This is last week. We ended up going along with other stuff we were talking about. And I was like, oh, this is, this is fascinating. This is going to be, we're just going to ask questions and we're going to see what the, uh, what the preferred miserable and reckless response is. And we'll find out who the animals are on this podcast and who the correct, um, appropriate people are. So first things first, we'll just dive right in. Uh, guys, uh, is it appropriate to take your shoes off on an airplane ever? No. How about, yeah. How about sandals? <laughs> well, they, that's, that's actually, that's basically I mean, off. You know what? I'll change my answer. <clears throat> I paid for my ticket. I do what I want. <laughs> if I want to drink, if I, if I want to drink twenty beers and kick my feet off, Wade Boggs challenge. challenge. <laughs> Angle doesn't know what that is. The funny thing was, Dustin and I did not have that plan either. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same thought at the same time. <laughs> I know okay. it's all the sunny people got the idea from. They got it from real f in life. <laughs> <laughs> Wade Boggs beer challenge. Google. <laughs> how many how many beers can I order at one time, man? <laughs> that was back when they must have been flying commercial back in the eighties too, right? There's no way the Red Sox were flying were flying private back then to drink. I think they said he drank. People swear he drank like his teammates. Are like we wish it wasn't so, and might he might have a problem. I think they said he. Drank- <laughs> I think he, they said he drank 40 something beers and then he got off the plane and he had to go to the bathroom. I think that's what they said. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, I think he was a, a New York Yankee when he did this, but was he? I, I think so. All right. Well, another good reason why he should get off his high horse and stop riding around the dance table. <laughs> <laughs> Wade Boggs is the Red Sox and then he got traded to the Yankees and then he properly helped. The Red Sox who had not won a World Series in a long time. He helped the Yankees win a World Series. So he's <laughs> a hole number one in Boston. But apparently he's really good at drinking beer. So how do we feel? Okay, this wasn't on the list. How do we feel about drinking 40 beers on a plane and being a... My answer to this would be if you can hold your liquor, go for it. As long well, as you're not uh, out of the way, I mean, have at it, brother. I, I mean... I doubt a plane actually has that many, so you probably have to bring your own. But um, who cares? As long as you're not like puking and peeing on people. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Order theirs or bring a medicine bag full of 15 airplane bottles, whichever, you know. <laughs> well, they call them airplane bottles for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't call them that if you can't bring them on the airplane. Sir, you drink a lot of ginger ale. So I know. <laughs> Upset stomach. <laughs> sir, sir, you, you, you're stumbling a lot from that fifth ginger ale you had. <laughs> yeah, the wife says I should switch to diet. <laughs> that, that damn airplane pilot up there, he can't drive with shit. <laughs> Anybody Even else feel that turbulence? <laughs> sir, we're sir, sir, we're... <laughs> we haven't even taken off yet. <laughs> There's definitely people we know. I'll leave it at that. That uh, and I'm not going to say their names. That have ordered very suspicious things from the airline attendants at very early hours of the morning. Hi, I need um, specifically. Uh, a fresca and some triple sec and so it's all the things to make an orange brush with the exception of vodka 
<laughs> or it's all the things to make, you know, a, a Manhattan or whatever with Mount Bourbon. And it's like, you think they haven't caught on. It's 7.30 in the morning. We're going to Vegas. And like... <laughs> That's what, what you need to do is once you, once you get past TSA, just take your, if you have a coffee cup, just take and just fill that up with uh, the airplane bottles before you board the plane, buy a Sprite, and then mix it right there. And then you just walk on the plane with your coffee cup. You don't have to ask the flight attendant for, for anything. You've already got it pre-made. You're asking, you're asking too much work there, man. <laughs> you also better have like a, a nice, like, Yeti Ozark Trail, something that closes up tight. Did you drop that, or you got like one of them shitty cups where yeah. it's like you, it gets wet and you poke it and it all falls out the bottom? You're gonna be a pretty <laughs> sad man. <laughs> there, there was <laughs> we were, we took a trip one time. Me and Brett to meet some friends uh, for a bachelor trip. We took the train, which have no rules. So if you if you want to avoid rules. Take the train. That's true. And and we and we bought uh we bought big like fifths of liquor and uh <laughs> one of them one of them uh fell off mm. the bag at one point and broke everywhere all over the floor. Glass oh. liquor, everything everywhere. So uh I would mm. suggest that you have a good container if you're gonna go that route. Not suggesting that anyone break the law and do this, but I do happen to know if you go to the Nashville airport, they do sell, among other things, vodka, Pickers vodka from uh, Phil Vassar, country music superstar, um, at the airport. Uh, Nick Vence is the guy who did the six pack summer song. You can buy it, and then they will place it in a special bag, and they tell you when you buy it. Do not open this on the airplane. It's a problem if you open it on the airplane. Now, Logan, to your point, if you wanted to take a water bottle and you wanted to fill the water bottle with said vodka, I'm just saying it's probably feasible that nobody would know what you were doing. But I would encourage people to not break the law and do that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's available for you. I've, I've taken so, vodka home from the airport. So what's, what's the point? Other than the airline being able to sell drinks, what's the point of you not being able to open it? Supposedly, it's bringing it across state lines. Oh, Lord. Ooh. Well, I mean, people do that all the time. You you never bought beer from Raleigh and drove it to Maryland? Never. Or you wouldn't have bought beer, but not... But people, many people, would do <laughs> such a thing. Just so... This is, this is why we're we're focusing on the etiquette. Because we maybe maybe they know they think that they can they can control how much you drink if if they're the ones giving it to you as opposed to if you're someone that we know who has an older brother that would both of them probably carry a entire package of airplane bottles onto the airplane and drink all of them before landing. I mean, as long as you're not out of the way, so what? Okay. I, I, I agree. But, I mean, if, if you get. If you get so out of control, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not. I'm not they, saying they will bad. put you on a list, and you you won't be able to fly anymore. Like, I'm not. I'm not knocking them. Like I, I would do it too. If you just got to be careful about it when no one's around, just post open, open it up, dump it in the cup real quick, put put the other one back in your pocket, and ask for your fifth or sixth ginger ale. 
<laughs> in the last 30 minutes. They've ruined post-COVID flying, though, or post-COVID flying has been ruined because my flight down from Raleigh to Atlanta, a short flight, like I wasn't going to get a drink. But then when we had that, you know, two hour delay where they took us to Alabama and then back to South Carolina before rerouting us back down to Georgia, they they would not sell you any any alcohol. Like everybody on the plane was like, we want a drink. We've been here for three hours. And they were just like, sorry, this is an uh, no drink sold on this flight. And they had everybody's like, we can see it. But it's like, I don't I don't get it. I don't know how that's protecting people or how what that how that's uh, being uh, safe about things. But they if it's a short flight now on some airlines, they won't give you drinks anymore. It sounds similar to having the the beer store close on Sundays or them stop selling beer after what the sixth or seventh inning third period in football <laughs> they, yeah, know, so. uh, they, they know yeah. certain they know certain customers from certain parts of states don't know how to handle their alcohol after 10 Bud Lights when, when you alright look if you if your cutoff is the seventh inning and, the, and somebody really wants to get and really wants to get the 40 beers or 15 or whatever their goal is <laughs> They're just going to buy them before the seventh inning. Correct. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't you're matter right. no, that you right. cut the sales off. Like, that has nothing to do. They're, they still will achieve their goal one way or the other. Like, it's so silly. It doesn't make any sense. I went to a baseball game on my birthday a couple of years ago with coworkers, people I worked with. And we got there late because we had some actual work we were doing. And all I'll say is that the seventh inning was fast approaching and we all knew the rules. And so what we did is we sent the woman we were with and she went and got two drinks and she brought them back because that's what you could, you could buy. Then she went back and she got two more drinks and she brought them back because she had a pretty face. And then she went and got two more drinks and she brought them back. And now we're all double fisting. And then she tried to go get two more drinks. That would be, by the way, if you're keeping track at home, that would be eight drinks that she tried to buy in one inning. And they said, ma'am, <laughs> we we're think we're kind of on to like what you're doing here. So she said, well, I'm going to have to go to a different bar then. She went to a different bar and she came back with four more drinks. So <laughs> in case you're keeping track at home, America. I, I know it was my birthday, but I now had three drinks to drink in center field. And I was like, enough, enough, <laughs> enough from you. <laughs> but it's about liking it previous to like three or four seasons ago in college football. It was most of this country was like this, but North Carolina, I know specifically was. They wouldn't sell you alcohol in the stadium at a, at a collegiate game. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, well, we want the game to be safe. It's a family atmosphere. But if you went to any of the bathrooms at any of the stadiums in North Carolina, there were many bottles, airplane bottles lined up along the toilet, some of them in the trash, some of them in the toilet. Like they weren't <laughs> stopping anybody. They finally got smart and finally were like, you know, we can make a lot of money off these drunk fucks. So now they, they sell you the tall boys of anything you want and they're killing it. It was like, but you weren't stopping anybody. No. Yeah, you couldn't flush the urinal without all the things, the mini <laughs> shit moving and falling into the yeah. urinal. It's not to be gross. But. <laughs> all right. So we've covered the alcohol thing. We've covered the shoes off thing. Uh, I have a feeling because we more or less said, here for the record, I didn't say anything. I think it's okay to take your sandals off. I don't think it's okay to take your shoes off. I'm um, on board with that. The, uh, yeah. I, think, I think I know where we're gonna go with this because if your feet have, don't, if your feet, if you know your feet aren't gonna stink, 
Like legit, <laughs> like legit, you, your feet actually do not stink. Then, as long as you're not putting them up on someone's armrest, <laughs> you know, which people are known to do because they're like, oh, I bought my plane ticket, I'm going to do what I want. Like, okay, well, I, I bought my it, car, doesn't mean I can go do what I want with that by driving into people, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm sackless and berries, I still will take my shoes off. I don't care. You can get over it. Yeah. Imbecile. Terrible. <laughs> to be fair, you've let them air out in the TSA, and we don't even need to go into why that's useless. But <laughs> Which I'll leave you with. I'll leave you guys with one last thing on the feet thing. We were coming back from our honeymoon, and um, my sandals were just. They're they're like they they pretty much I threw them away when we landed because they were, they had finally kicked the bucket, <laughs> but um. But he had them. They were, point, they were stinking, and the lady sitting, the old lady sitting next. To her, I was just sitting in the middle between me. It was me, old lady at the window, me and Crystal. And she, because I didn't see her, Crystal kept looking at her, and she was like, like <laughs> <laughs> like looking at me and looking down at my feet or whatever. And I'm just like, drink, <laughs> have my drink, have my Another drink, ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Crystal was like, you need to switch with me. I was like, why? Oh, I was like. Your feet stink, and she's. You know, I, I I was like, okay, whatever. I could have been like, you know, she's whispered. I could like, fuck her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> from my feet, but I had another guy. Whatever. I'll, I'll switch seats. I'm not here on the honeymoon, and now no. I'm just <laughs> All right. So lowering your seat. Are you part of the? I paid for my ticket, so don't put the button there if you don't want it to move. Or are you, yes. or are you the, I wouldn't want this done to me, so therefore I'm going to, to, to be the change I want to see in the world. Perfect. I wouldn't uh, say, well, first of all, go ahead, go Logan. Ahead. No, you go ahead, Logan. Uh, I was just, mine's real quick. I wouldn't say I'm a be the change you want to see kind of oh. guy, but I don't like when people lean their seat back on me, so I tend to not lean my mind back on them and I, I fall asleep pretty easy on a plane so i just sit up like i do and just end up nodding off listening to music but i get aggravated when people lean their seat back into me you know my thing is they don't lean that far back to where it's like hey man i can see your bald spot while i'm trying to have my drink <laughs> but um at the same time you know it's like hey the button's there and they don't go that far back and we getting an airplane knows that it could happen at any given time so it's one of those things where it's like if it happens just Get over it and 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 figure out something else to do a few time for the forty five two hours five hours whatever it is. Um, that's just my two cents. Awesome. It's real, it's real easy. You got a button too. Someone leans back, you lean back too. You got a problem with that? I'm Not fine. my problem. <laughs> lean back. Push your button. Give if you want people to push the button. But otherwise, otherwise, might as well just push the button. Lean back. Yeah. It's like, uh, and you know what? Have another drink and don't forget about it. Get it's you like another a, ginger ale and enjoy yourself. Take your shoes off. Get comfortable. It's the Barney Stenson chain of screaming, essentially. You're being inconvenienced here, so that means it's time for you to inconvenience someone over here. Right. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> oh, I'm For the record. Maybe this is a dad thing. Maybe you guys are just your 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 meters have just run out of <laughs> exhaustion. I'm more in line with Logan. I'm 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 of the you know maybe I'm not trying to be the change I want to see in the world, but at the same time, 
I'm thinking like the buck stops with me. Like the rudeness stops here. I'm going to be a good person. Someone's going to notice this. You're like climbing over the chair and get <laughs> shoes off. I'm sure right. like if, if it was a legit rudeness to it, they would take the son of a bitch off, off the chair. Sure. I agree. <laughs> Just like they got rid of the ashtrays and said no more smoking on airplanes because, hey, I, I, you know, your cigar is bugging the shit out of me. Uh, like, if, if, if it was really that yeah try lighting one of those up on a plane these days Ugh. it it was really <laughs> funny i saw a meme the other day um and for those people that uh, probably nobody listening to this podcast but if it, anybody is listening to this podcast that was going to be take offense to things that are funny here's your warning label skip ahead 15 seconds but i saw a, a funny meme about airlines and it says uh old days versus now and back then it had like you know you could smoke on planes they had they they, they were like they called them stewardesses and they they showed what they wore and they had like requirements for what you had to look like and then they had what the modern day flight attendants that we all know have and then it says look what they took from us <laughs> well yeah it shows like these big comfy seats all throughout the entire airplane mm-hmm. not you know the you know the the cabin seats didn't look like crap like they are today. I mean, everybody was comfortable. Everybody was having a good time. Big wide seats, ashtrays, you know, <laughs> like you said, the stewardess, everything. And now, as you said, um, look what they took. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to go from this. I'm just going to make it make on the salad reference. Keep I'm it. just making it entertaining. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Tell him, Morgan, um, are you not entertained? <laughs> all right. Well, we're on the topic of look what they took from us and the seats were better and everything else. Middle space. Do you look, let's face it. If you're in a middle seat, you, you didn't wake up on time. If you're on Southwest, hit the little button or whatever, or you don't fly enough and you're down the chain, food chain enough that you, you, you know, at least if you, Come on, you know, you, you, you picked it ahead of time because it was the only one that was left, or you know, or your flight got delayed and you're already in a pissy mood and they're sliding you in at the last second and you're the last guy on the plane and there's not going to be any room for you. Do you fight for your space or do you just suck it up and just be like, oh, I'm going home? You just, what do you do? You immediately sit down and just throw your elbows out and just. Well, the proper airline etiquette actually is if you're in the middle space, you get both armrests. Because the one has the window and one armrest, the other has the aisle and one armrest. It's supposed to be technically the middle person gets both armrests. Of course, because you know the aisle guy, he has the ability to get up whenever he wants to and has an armrest. The person next to the window gets to look out the window and see either burning lakes in Cleveland or you know the <laughs> beautiful uh, ditches in, in Grand Canyon. And so yeah, of course the guy in the middle should get both armrests. Right. Gotta go wide. Widen it out. And you sit down, yeah. you just kind of stretch it out. You you claim your spot. And if they don't like it, throw them an take, elbow. If they don't like it, take your shoes off. That way they'll go like this. <laughs> yeah, there you go, you win. Uh, and crack yourself another ginger ale. <laughs> if you want a helpful tip, just so you you know. What I've learned in the corporate world is that it's important to manage expectations. So when you get onto an airplane, especially if you're traveling for business, I think it's important to keep that in mind. You want to manage expectations. 
So first of all, when you get on the plane, you call them whatever you want to call them. Stewards, stewardesses, flight attendant, whatever. I'm not sure what the appropriate term is anymore. I think, yeah, I think you have to be very careful what you call them today because you don't. Yeah. yeah. Flight attendant, I think is okay. Um, you, you want to make sure you manage expectations with them. You kind of look them in the eye and you say like, hey, just letting you know I've already started here at the Gibson Cafe. I've got a to-go cup and I just hope I'll be seeing you soon. Right? <laughs> then when you sit down, when you're talking about widening it out, one of the first things I think you should do is once you sat down and you buckled up, you, uh, you want to uh, immediately to help widen it out. You want to take those airplane bottles out of your pocket, which if, I know you guys can't see this on camera necessarily, but immediately put your elbow out to the side as you're reaching for that stuff out of your pocket. It's very important that you just line them up in the seat back in front of you. That way everybody knows. Managing expectations. What's going to be going on here? <laughs> also, once your elbow's out, go ahead and just leave it out. Go ahead and take that on rest. And then, if you need to line up on the other side of the pocket, you know, it's uncomfortable to have all those airplane bottles in your pocket. You want to go ahead and pull your arm out and then <laughs> line them up, set them down. That way, everybody's good to go. And then you've got your arms on both armrests. It's just a helpful tip. You know, it helps everybody relax. Makes everybody, you know, nobody's nobody's jumpy. Nobody's scared. You know, everybody knows exactly what's going to go down. And it's just, honestly, it's just one of the best ways to manage it. Well, here's what you can also do. Take all 10, 12 airplane bottles that you're going to have on you. And just, if both people to the left and right are being dicks, just line them up in front of you so they can both see and go, all right, this can go one way or another. <laughs> this is the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> which, which, which way do y'all want it to go? Because it's a long flight and I know how to, I can drink all 12 of these. And I have a small bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and a short might, temper. And a short fuse. You might want to go ahead and give me the aisle now. <laughs> oh. When you guys have a choice, window or aisle? Aisle when it's not even close because I, I pee so much. And within yeah. like even an hour flight span, I'm going to pee at least two to three times that I, I have to have the aisle or else. I, no, I'm going to be honest with you. If I end up on the uh, middle or the window seat and it's people I don't know, I still don't give a shit. But even if it's people I do know, I still don't give a shit. I'm just going to be like, sorry, you knew what you if it was my buddies. I'm like, you knew what you got into when you put me on the inside. So I don't care what venue I'm in. I like to sit on the end. I want the end seat. I'm at a concert. I'm at airplane. I'm on the aforementioned ruleless train. Whatever. <laughs> I want to sit on the end. But part of the deal you make by getting the end is if somebody needs to get up, you got to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't bother me that someone has to get out of the way because that's part of the, the deal. If you don't want to get up, pick the window. Real simple. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm aisle all the way. You got to sit on the aisle. It's the best way because for those of us who who use the little boys' room a lot, it's the easiest way to get back and forth through it. Well, luckily, I don't have to use the bathroom as much, even when I drink. Uh, my bladder usually works out pretty well for me, but you know, you're going to be annoyed one way or another, you know, having to get up all the time. Or having to get up and get out of the way for people, so I'm I'm more of a window, and definitely if I, if I'm flying over stuff that's gonna be awesome to look out the window at while I'm drinking my eighth ginger ale, and um, <laughs> um, but usually if it's not a packed flight, I try to make it seem as obvious as I can, is that I don't want your asses to sit in my in my row, 
<laughs> I try to like maybe put shit in the chair, say, hey, you know, obviously you, you can't hold seats for people, but if you say, hey, I'm holding these for my brother and sister um, or whatever, <laughs> they're, they're further back. Um, you know, you get the grumpy look of like, oh, fuck you, asshole. Who do you think you are holding? You can't hold seats. You can't, it's like you can't hold a parking spot for your car, you know, coming into the tailgating. Um, but I usually try to do that as well, just to avoid that altogether. And then once the, the flight's about to take off, people walk by, they see that no one ever sat down with me. It looked like, where's your brother and sister at? Like, oh, I don't know. You missed the flight. Typical. <laughs> they may have too many ginger ales. <laughs> Whenever you go with the, they're dead, and you just stare at them, they really can't a whole lot. So it's always, it's another help. <laughs> I, I would say, um, I would say that I also tend to <laughs> really, really sent you, Morgan. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I would say that I used to be an aisle person, um, but I also tend to like to, I, I tend to fall asleep on planes pretty easily. I don't think that has a whole lot to do with where I've been, where I've been drinking or what I've been drinking before I get on the plane. I think it's just the white noise and everything else. Problem with that is, A, I got to get up if people need to get up. Um, I tend to like to spread out when I sleep and I'm really sick of getting um, I'm going to have to have a knee replacement from the drink cart that the careless uh, flight attendants <laughs> shove down the aisle. They, they do not care about your knees and I understand why they're not here for that. They got to get people served and back to the seat so they can play Pac-Man or whatever. But Morgan needs his ginger ale. Yeah. So I'm sick of getting my knee run into I also don't have apparently the problem that you guys do. So I, I've gone from aisle to window. Plus, it's kind of nice sometimes when you're looking out the window. But I mean, it's part of it's part of the deal. Like Dustin said, people getting up when you're on the end, the end in the aisle. But it's also part of the deal, even if it's annoying. And you know, nothing against them. But sometimes these flight attendants can, let's say, if they were models, they would be considered plus size models. And it seems to be that my last three <laughs> flights. These flight attendants were like this, and they just bump into me. And I'm like the only person they bump into. This is just something that happens to me every single time. I'll be like falling asleep, and she'll just like bump into me, or he'll bump into me, and I wake up. Like it's just something that has been a recurring thing. So that's why it kind of grinds my gears a little bit that I'm the one that gets it. Like, what was it the episode of uh, really the, the episode, episode of The Office where Michael Scott's flying for a conference and he's turned around talking to the cameraman? And the uh, lady in the bar cart just comes blasting, blasting behind <laughs> rails. That's what you were talking about, Angle. Like, they do not give two shits about you. They will hit you. <laughs> so it made me think of that. It's incredible that you're not already married. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> it's really surprising, I must say. What's that? <laughs> what did you say? No, I, I didn't hear you. Was giving a Logan a hard time for not already being married with his attitude about everyone. <laughs> I call balls and strikes. What can I say? Uh, all right, we got two more. I'll keep them real brief. I I don't think these are ridiculously hard to deal with. These can be a yes or no question. Do you guys take your belt and shoes off before you go through security, or do you make everyone wait? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I make everybody wait. I do it as soon as I get. I, I like. I do it as soon as I get to the area where I'm putting stuff in the little tub, because now to be fair, most of the 
uh, airports that I go to are not very busy. So I think it's just a, because I haven't really encountered many really busy lines that it's just like, everybody's kind of got plenty of time to do whatever. I am. I haven't flown in a while, but up until, uh, I guess up until COVID before that, um, I used to, when, before I even got to go get in line to go, you know, to security, I made sure, um, anything I didn't want to pull out my pockets was already in the suitcase. Um, as soon as I guess I would have, you know, um, I usually would wear slip on shoes. So I can take them on, take them off real quick. And, you know, I guess I already, already had the belt. And as soon as I get right through, you know, going, you get your ID checked and go and get in line to put your stuff about, I'd already have my shoes and belt in hand. That way I can, because I want to get through it as quickly as possible. Um, so I can get the shit back on and go have another ginger ale. I also have a problem with the TSA. I have flown now, gone through TSA probably 15 to 20 times max. Probably of those, say it's 15, 13 of those times, I'm the guy that gets pulled to the side and they always like assault me and like tell me what they're going to do. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, but at this point, I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're like, we have to pat you down and we have to grab you in like in areas and they, they explain it. It's like every single time I'm the guy they choose out of the line to go and just like search everybody. That's where you go. Ooh, you know, can you buy me dinner first? (laughs) 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 Next next thing I know, I didn't make my flight. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sitting in there at like, uh, in, in the, like the detainment room. You're like, you're probably wondering how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> apparently people don't like comedy anymore <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess you don't I'm going to guess you you pack extra change to take through the PSA I, you know how they get the bins you put all your crap in the bins I'll get an extra bin when I'm standing there and I that's where I put all my stuff my change my belt, my shoes, all that. So, like, if you gotta wait, you gotta wait. Whatever. You already waited a long time. It won't hurt you. And then I catch you on the back end too, because I, I stand there at the end and I put all my stuff on at the end. So you have to go around me or you have to wait for me. So I make you wait on the front end, the back end. That's the that's the way, best way to do it. I endorse I, that because I, I do the same thing. <laughs> I can I can I, I can see you now. You're like putting your stuff up on the, on the roll bars and roll through, and and right as you think so, it's about to, oh, there's room for me. To put my bag up. You grab another basket, put it down, and put like just your sun, just put just your sunglasses in that bucket, and look back at the person. Go, and... They don't let you wear them through, bro. And then they just look at you, go like, somewhere. really, like really, you, <laughs> it needs its own bucket. Yeah, it does. Two hundred dollars, man. I'm not gonna put these with my laptop. They're not going to board the plane and take off any faster. I mean, so fuck them. True. Right? And and look, I rem- I tell them there better not be any change missing when we get on the other side. <laughs> no to the penny what I had. This is the <laughs> coin that screwed over Alan Jackson, damn it. <laughs> Having traveled with Dustin multiple times through an airport, I can assure you that he is telling you the exact oh God's truth <laughs> about this. And I am the exact opposite. And I think it's just from traveling for, for work. Like when I'm like waiting for them to like walk around the rental car, I'm, I'm well, I'm waiting for them because God forbid I not be efficient on a business trip. I, uh, it's, it's really just because I want to get through security and get to the bar, honestly. 
But uh, I've already got the belt off and like zipped up in my bag. I've only got like my ID and, 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 and you know, the thing on my phone. I've got the picture already taken of the packs on my phone. It's got the baby walking to some of these airports and the, and the Wi-Fi is terrible or the cellular service is terrible. <coughs> By the time I get up to the, up to the thing, I've got everything tucked away in my bag exactly where I need it. Toss the bag on the thing, pull the laptop out. I'm good to go through. I, you'd be amazed, though, how many times, Logan, uh, people do kind of give you like the, the once over. The, what I found is the more, uh, the more like bored and like almost like irritated you look with how inefficient everybody is. I've realized that if, if you just pull that look off, which is like the uh, been here a thousand times, I'm, I'm way more experienced than you even are, Mr. TSA. They just leave you alone. So I used to get patted down all the time too, probably because I used to travel in an oversized pair of sweatpants. That, uh, like, <laughs> about. But as soon as you put on a pair of khakis and you, and you got a decent pair of dress socks and everybody goes, oh, that guy's not even wearing a belt. He really must he, know what he's doing. <laughs> he has his life together. <laughs> so, I uh, I will say that that's not bragging. Because one morning I wasn't paying attention. I usually carry a, a multi-tool on me. And uh, got to BWI Airport, which is not a great airport to go through with multi-tool. And I literally got all the way up to the front. It was early. And uh, I looked at the guy. And he's standing there. He's looking at my ID or whatever. And he's asking me where I'm going or whatever they do. I don't remember. And he goes, uh, I looked at him. I said, hey, would it, would it be a problem if I told you I had a knife? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah. Are we speaking hypothetically? And I said, <laughs> I said yeah. yeah. Hypothetically, can I duck under that rope and come back and see in a little bit? And he goes, hypothetically, yes. And he gave me my feedback and I ducked out and went back to my car. And at least I was an hour there in the hourly or daily rod or whatever because of the work. And I tossed it in the car and I came back and he goes, uh, the same guy, he goes, are we, uh, are we hypothetically without a knife now? And I said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that was pretty good. It's the only time I've screwed up like that. But yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's when you go, that's when you go, yeah, I just had to go to the bathroom real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't want to So I wore this uncomfortable hunk of metal. <laughs> it's like that Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell movie. He had to learn to keister it. <laughs> I wasn't interested in doing that. There's a lot of stuff that could pop out of that. Only, thing. only, one, only one place I knew where I could hide it. <laughs> uh, well, you can go more and more and more on this. There's the whole overpacker, underpacker. There's PSA. There's, obviously, it appears to be like drinking decent bit. The funny thing is, most I feel like most of the travel that we've done is probably airline travel recently has probably been as, with the ability for us getting to go do like fun with each other as opposed to anything else but hopefully that continues although i don't know with kids that could apparently that's a game changer i hear apparently it's just a trip it's not a vacation anymore. <laughs> it's a trip also i don't want to fly with my child not interested in that Perfect. and then you got to buy another ticket a whole mm -hmm. mess you got to pack car seats. So, have you ever thought about that? Like, you can't just no. walk outside and get in an Uber. You got, you got to add on the rental car. You got to pack their car seat. 
which, you know, one thing the government did right is they forced the airlines to fly that for you for free. So you get this, you get this big bag, but you have to check it, which means you have to get it on the, the back end. Like it's, you don't want to travel with a child. And then of course, what if a kid screams the entire five hour flight, then you're annoying other people. Because if I know yeah. I'm flying, I don't and I see a kid on flight, I'm like, oh, please don't cry this entire flight. <laughs> so it's a lot a lot that can go wrong. A whole lot of talk about overpacking. Oh my lord. Can't even imagine trying to pack that. I mean, we just drive down the street and you got the car packed all the way to the top. Like, how are you gonna travel to Florida? Doesn't I, I don't know how that works. So you just don't. <laughs> yeah. You just don't. That's how you handle it. You don't go on a plane. Not with your child. Child has to stay somewhere else. <laughs> you can go on a plane. Child stays home. Oh. Maybe I'm just not remembering correctly. My parents had us going all over the place. But maybe they just neglected us. There, there were no rules back then. I mean, like, we barely had car seats. Exactly. Your dad was like, here, sit with the stranger for a couple hours. I'm going to go back here. <laughs> yeah, there was some, definitely some overseas travel. I'll leave it at that. I remember getting on the plane and being like, oh, cool. Everybody smokes. This is awesome. We're going to <laughs> Wait a second. There's only 16 songs I can listen to. I don't want to listen to Joan Osborne 17 times before we get over there. At least they had some oasis. <laughs> another story for another day. Uh, and I'm aging, aging myself quite because so. I just made a Joan Osborne reference, and apparently, uh, that's that's topical. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm going to listen to Joan Osborne on an air on a flight. What if God was one of us? <laughs> <laughs> this is a big hit back in the day, man. Uh, oh, well. all right. If you guys don't have anything else that you want to bring up or talk about, I think that ends this airline etiquette topic. What I basically to recap what I heard was uh, if you have shoes, everybody's wearing shoes, so take them off because we're all just in this together and it sucks, apparently. Uh, yes, the button and it works, use it because apparently. Uh, what I heard from the dads was, fuck them, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> don't yes. like it, don't fly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about, and I'm still not sure if this is against the rules or not, <laughs> criminally or not, about sneaking uh, ginger rails on the planes. Apparently, oh, I was sneaking birds. airplane bottles on the, air, on the plane and opening them. <laughs> you know up north they call those things nips? Yeah, worth. You know, yeah. you could apparently if Never they catch you, yeah. you could apparently get fined with like thousands of dollars if they catch you with an open airplane bottle. Yeah, when I was coming thousands. back, when I was coming back from Vegas with my wife, I didn't know any better. I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was against the rules. And an airline attendant came by, and was like, you know, that's like super illegal. I think and it's I was ten like, grand, isn't it? I, I I looked at her. Maybe I had some liquid courage, and I looked at her, and I wasn't being a, a jerk, and I said like. They're called airplane bottles. And she was like, yeah, does it mean you get to use them on the airplane? They didn't really <laughs> need to rename those things. <laughs> I guess it goes, well, so you feeling froggy? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Then cut, cut later. So you're probably wondering how I got here. 
I wasn't trying to engage her too much. I was just, I was surprised. So if that's one thing you can take away, America, apparently it's that you can't use airplane bottles on airplane. You just ask for forgiveness. You feign ignorance. Oh, never heard that before. First time flying. They they really should rename these things. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. I call them like no airplane bottle or ground bottles. Yeah. Uber bottles. (laughs) First they took my driving whiskey. Now they're taking my airplane bottle. I still remember when uh, the the young younger people at work think this is crazy, but I still I told him I said I still remember when my junior senior year of college when Uber got to Raleigh for the first time, and back then used to just pack people as many people as you could into the Uber, and everybody brought drinks, and it was just the wild west of Uber. It was an amazing time. Nowadays they won't even let you sit in the front seat. Um, we didn't have Uber, so. We had, yeah, we had we had cash taxi. And they and didn't care. Riding they didn't around care. on a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't care what you did. We also had sober friends that weren't completely sober. <laughs> Starving Marvin. Just saying, we had people that would be willing to drive us, and we'd look at them and we'd say, "We appreciate your sacrifice going into this gauntlet of cops." And they'd say, "Oh, it's fine. I've only had like you know whatever they had." And we look at them and we size them up and we go, we have a reasonable chance of making it where we're supposed to be going. We'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and ride with this individual because if you went downtown or you went to the beach, you couldn't afford a cab there and back and drink. And so it's if, when you're in college, you have to make some tough life decisions. This is why you send kids to college; they need to learn tough life decisions. <laughs> So they budget their lives so that they can. <laughs> I, the the two interns we have at work, they're both like 19 or 20. They looked at me like I was an old man today. And I realized halfway through my speech that I was going all grumpy old man on them because they were talking about $20 isn't that bad for lunch. And I said, what did y'all just say? What? I said, I said, y'all are just living in this inflation era thinking that's OK. I said, when I was in college, I said a cookout trade was four dollars and ninety three cents. Less than five dollars, I had a meal. Then I would go downtown and I would have ten beers for twenty dollars. Because guess what? They were two dollars a draft, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I was just like, "Things were a lot better back then." <laughs> I was like, "Things are expensive now." I'm sure they're yeah. probably like, "Okay, Grandpa, did you walk uphill and downhill backwards yeah. barefooted." This is where you yeah. say, "Get off my lawn," and then you say, "The one that I manicured perfectly." <laughs> where are my new balances? <laughs> yeah, well, when they when they start paying uh, rent and they pop out a couple of kids, they'll change the money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have we insulted enough people? I and I another thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan Zinner with Morgan, Nesson, and Ryan. We will see you next time. <laughs>